When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 138, and we are recording on September 16th. I'm Jen Northington, here with Sharifa Williams, and today we are talking about August Kitko and the Mechas from Space. <laughs> I can't not do the space voice by Alex White for a book club episode. We'll also talk about news as usual. Uh, I like but yeah, space. It's, I like Thank your you. space. <laughs> you kind of have to, right? Like, there's like 14 A's in space. There are. Um, <laughs> it's required. It's required. Uh, but yeah, it's been a minute since we did a book club episode. Yeah, I was excited to get back into reading a book together. And this one sounded super exciting. And I fortunately already had it in my libro <laughs> library <laughs> yeah so i was like ready to go <laughs> nice that's exciting yeah we're gonna dive into like why we picked this one yes. how it happened all of those good juicy details uh in the second half of this show but before that we'll do news and before even that we will hear about a sponsor <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay. I'm going to start us off with it's awards season, y'all. Yes. Like it is the there like not just in sci-fi, it's happening all across literature. Um but I'm going to kick us off with just mentioning, this will be a short one for me anyway, that the 2022 Hugo Awards 
have been awarded. We have our list of winners. Uh, there is a link to Tor.com's roundup of them in the show notes. I actually, I have this is going to be short for me because I have some mixed feelings about yeah. this year's winners. And I don't feel like it's chill to call out any specific ones because that's that's not nice um yeah so I'm just going to highlight one in particular that I was really excited to see which is that excuse me it's a lot of scrolling here we go the astounding award for best new writer which is technically not a Hugo um but is like awarded at the same time as the Hugo so it's always in these lists is that Shelley Parker Chan won for the her first year of eligibility and I am obsessed with that book so um I was really excited to see that Parker Chan got uh, the winner. I mean, that was a great category. You know, Tracy Dion was in there, Micaiah Johnson, Zarin J. Zhao, Everett yeah. Maxwell, A.K. Larkwood, like a really great pool. And um, I just am particularly excited for Parker Chan. I have been seeing that book everywhere. Oh, Sharifa, it's I so good. <laughs> I, I bet it is. I've heard great things about it. So I'm excited about that too. I also have some mixed feelings I won't get into. I don't know if they're the same feelings you have. But I will say yeah. also for me, like seeing N.K. Jemison all the time is amazing. Yes. Like just yeah. in best graphic story or comic, uh, that category this year uh, and – Jemison won for Far Sector, uh, mm-hmm. which had art by Jamal Campbell. So I was like, of course, N.K. Jemison's on this list. Right. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is there a Hugo category N.K. Jemison has not won an award in? Like, I'm sure there are, but like, there's not a lot of Only them. for <laughs> now. I think only for yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, but yeah, anyway, you can you can take a look at the list. Have your own feelings. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I will get into, I guess that both of mine feel a little bit short, but I, I have a feeling I am going to wax on about this one in particular. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harper's Bazaar reported, uh, Quincy Ligardi actually reported, collected a bunch of the best Twitter reactions to the new Little Mermaid teaser. And I have been legit seeing Little Mermaid reactions everywhere and it's been giving me (laughs) so much joy so this is the live action adaptation of little the little mermaid starring Halle Bailey as Ariel and I feel like the news of this has been like the casting news it feels like came out five years ago I know that's Mm -hmm. not actually the case but it feels like it came out ages ago so I was really excited to see the first teaser so it's a two-minute teaser and a lot of it is just sort of like getting you into the feel of, you know, those parallels between the mm. the iconic scene in Disney's animated The Little Mermaid and kind of having the a very similar parallel in this live action version. And then you see Halle Bailey at the end in all her fabulousness singing beautifully part of your world (laughs) (laughs) and you only get like a snippet of it so you just get like a little taste but it's so good I got chills so it was great to celebrate that moment by reading these uh tweets of 
predominantly black people just like <laughs> having like out of body experiences <laughs> watching Halle Bailey as Ariel. I've seen all over Instagram like the memes I'm sure people have seen like just having their kids, their little black kids watching the teaser trailer and just being like blown away. So mm. I just thought that this is a moment of like joy and happiness. And as somebody who had the Little Mermaid piano book and was obsessed <laughs> with this movie, <laughs> it is just like it speaks to my soul. Yeah, that's I mean, I I have to confess the Little Mermaid has never been like my movie. Do you know what I That's mean? Okay, like, um, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty and um, Beauty and the Beast were the ones that, like, oh yeah, you know, were of my soul. I liked Little Mermaid, and we definitely had. I remember like being on the playground and like people having like competitions to see how long you could hold that last like oh, part yeah. of your world <laughs> note, right? Like that's the that thing that a happened. Thing. That was a thing. And so I have like fond memories, but I was just like, whatever. Like some of these live action movies have not been my favorite. So yeah. But I am 1000% sold by that teaser. I'm not going to lie. I was, I watched it just to prep for the show. I was like, yeah, whatever. And now I like, I got chills. I was just blown away by the look and feel of it. And. Halle Bailey, who I just, I'm going to have to try so hard not to call her Halle Bailey. I know, like it's, it's so hard. Close. It's so close. The sounds are exactly the same. It's just consonants that are different, but I'm going to do it. Halle Bailey. Oh, also the fact that Halle Berry was tweeting about Halle Bailey oh, is like yeah. a beautiful moment <laughs> in this article. But so Halle Bailey, I, the, her voice, oh my, oh my God, like that is, whoo, it's real. It's really, I like you. I don't care how you feel about the Mer Little Mermaid. Y'all should watch this trailer because yes. it is a thing of great beauty. And yes, obviously, like, this means so much. Clearly, this means so much to so many folks. Um, and it's really awesome to see everybody get to have that moment, right? Like, that just yeah. sheer, like, joy and delight moment. It's really exciting. So I am just, yeah, I, like, suddenly care about this in a way that I was not expecting to. And I even looked up the cast. I was like, who did they cast as Prince Eric? Like, let me see, you know, some of that. this other stuff. And I didn't know any of the, I, I mean, like, I just glanced at it, um, but I'm I'm definitely going to be paying more attention, and I'm excited for the music that's going to come out of this. Like Bailey's yeah. voice is really stunning. So I'm I also discovered by falling down this rabbit hole that um, she's got like music out there. Like she's a singer for oh for yeah. Um, yeah. So I definitely need to go listen to some of that now as well. What, Jen, you weren't on the, the TikTok trend in the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic where everybody was choreographing around that one song by the no. Bailey sisters? Y'all know, I know. My brain and TikTok do <laughs> not know. cooperate with each other, but I like a clear, I'm late to this party, but I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. It's my turn. Okay. So my speaking of like moments of joy and excitement, especially for the yes. black community, Dragon Con got a f the full treatment in the New York Times, got a deep dive um, looking at 
how it is redefining what nerd culture looks like. Uh, this piece was written by Eden Weingart. And y'all, <laughs> first of all, like the pictures alone. Yes. Like just go, like whether or not you want to read this deep dive into Dragon Con, which is Atlanta's um, sci-fi gaming con it's like it has video games it has anime it has comics it does all of the things uh whether or not you want to read the whole profile you should check out these pictures because the cosplay is so good i mean people go all out and i love i this was new to me the remixing of characters like there's there's a mashup of LL Cool J and Eleven from Stranger Things. Like, what? That's genius. Like, it's super fun just to see how creative and, like, talented these cosplayers are. Um, but the article really goes into how this con specifically made a real effort not only to reach out to different sections of the fandom like it's not just video games it's not just anime it's not just comics you know it's not just marvel like it's all of these things um and you can really see that in the photos like the range of of fandom is so broad but also they were like diversity is important and we're gonna make it important Mm -hmm. and then they did that thing like they put in the work they did the thing and the like black nerd community in particular is really highlighted in just glorious ways so I just I I thought this piece was so much fun to look at and read like I will never be as good as God cosplay as any of these people like not even close um, but they inspire me to want to like think about it more and and I just I don't know this article was just really lovely to see because you know we talk a lot about what nerd culture is looking like and how it's you know two steps forward one step back or mm-hmm. sometimes one step forward two steps back so it's nice to see this celebration of inclusivity in all of these different ways. I'm so glad you found this for multiple reasons because I have always wanted to go to Dragon Con, but I am not a travel somewhere else, like travel across the country Uh, to go to a convention type of person. But now I live so close to Atlanta, I'm like... I totally forgot that this is a thing that is accessible to me now. And I had no idea about like the history of how it is a a gathering space for black nerds and like seeing all the outfits. I just pulled out my sewing machine again after a long, long time. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, this is like super inspiring. This is making me feel like, you know, I can... Yeah, not make not just some tote bags and things, but like start right. thinking about making some costumes again. And I really hope that next year I am in a place of comfort about going to conventions yeah. again. Uh, because I would love to do this. And this just like lit the fire. Yeah. So good. Yeah. There's there's an amazing um storm cosplay that involves yes. a clear mask that I was like, oh, that's so good. Like that's so genius. Um yeah, you use I mean, I've seen some of the pictures from your costume <laughs> creations from past years. So like I'm living for this for you. Like Thank I, you. Want, <laughs> I can't wait to see what you come up with if you do get to go. Uh and yeah, it just is really it's really it's really glorious it is this is so fantastic i encourage everybody to look at those pictures and be similarly inspired yes well i guess i will 
end us with the this really random uh, bit of Game of Thronesian slash <laughs> Duolingo news that I never <laughs> expected to see. So Duolingo is a platform where you can basically learn different languages. I have used it on and off when I thought that I was going to become successful at learning a new language during the pandemic, mm. especially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have tried many a time. And so this uh, there was an update posted by the Duolingo team that a high Valerian course is coming to Duolingo. And I legit thought that this was a joke post at first oh. because I was it's, like... It's actually... It's 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 been there. They have updated it. Yeah, like that's it, right. this is actually yeah yeah. It's like they're just like oh we added new words. Yeah yeah. So the the original I missed this when it originally came out in July. That was when they announced it. And then yeah, so they it's already there. It's already available for anybody to learn High Valerian. And I was just I'm always fascinated by the creation of languages, mm-hmm. which I learned from this post, uh, some of these languages created in these science fiction, fantasy, etc. novels is like High Valerian is known as a conlang or constructed language. I did not know that was the thing, but it is mm-hmm. a, a language specifically intentionally created by somebody versus a language that emerges naturally without a single creator. Like, you know, the, most of the languages we know but I learned a lot about like <laughs> uh, created and imagined languages. And it also just baffles me that somebody is able to do this. It just seems like mm. an impossible task. But I know it has been done a few times in, you know, the type of fiction we tend to gravitate towards mm-hmm. speculative fiction. So I was just like... This tickled my funny bone because I love language as bad as I am at learning new ones. Um, (laughs) And I will never learn High Valerian. That's not how I want to spend my time. (laughs) But I think it's great that it is available for people to learn. And I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, I so a couple of things. I have had a similar journey with Duolingo. I'm like, I'm gonna, uh-huh. I'm gonna learn a new language. Yeah. Or I'm gonna brush up on my old, you know, Spanish or whatever, my mm-hmm. very rudimentary Spanish. And then I don't, I don't do it. I don't do it. <laughs> um, I just don't. I don't know. But, but in this case, in particular, so Duolingo has also had like Klingon. I'm pretty sure. For example, like they've oh. had conlangs on there. For a while, which I think is really clever, honestly, because the groups of people who want to learn, like, Spanish or French or, like, you know, Gaelic um, is one thing. Mm-hmm. And then the groups of people who want to learn Klingon or High Valyrian or whatever is another. And it is genius business to yes. go after both of those demographics because they are not necessarily the same, right? Like, that's genius, I think, on their part. I have also met David J. Peterson, who oh. was the creator. Yes, of so he was the con linguist for High Valyrian. He's also worked on like Doctor Strange, Penny Dreadful, and Dune, which I didn't know. Um, but I met him because he published like I can't remember who it was with. 
Gosh, it was a legit, like, you know, learn a language publisher, though. They did a book for High Valyrian. So, wow. like, if you didn't want to do the Duolingo, like, you could get this book. Um, and he he was on events, and I was working at the bookstore, so we he, we did an event. And he, like, came and talked about, like, the process of constructing a language, and this one in particular, and what it was like to be involved with Game of Thrones. And he's, like, a delightful human. We had a good time. Um, That's always And it is. Hear. It's just fascinating to think about like how 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 (laughs) like question marks forever how um and you know like you said like it's not unusual in sci-fi fantasy to invent at least parts of a language I mean like Mm -hmm. Tolkien is you know one of the main um references that people use and like my mom taught herself elvish like as a kid you know like out of the backs of the indexes and that adorable right like I come from a long line of geeks um so this isn't a new phenomenon but the ways you can do it like through an app like Duolingo that also teaches real world like languages is fascinating it's just fascinating the whole thing is fascinating so yeah I really I always love to think about this and and they like this this piece on the Duolingo site goes into a bunch of Mm -hmm. fun you know background and details and then more specifically about High Valyrian so if this is like the kind of nerd that you are yeah (laughs) um or even if you're just curious about it like click on that link it's real interesting it's really really interesting so cool so yeah it's fun good times all right well that concludes our news uh let's hear from another sponsor and then we'll get into our book club hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay. So I feel like we should start with how we ended up choosing this. Yes. <laughs> because it was not our normal process. Usually what we do is like we make a whole plan, we like identify like three or four titles, we pull you, our listeners, mm-hmm. and then we announce it. And that didn't happen this time. <laughs> what happened instead was I started reading this book earlier in the summer and I especially because I think I talked about this too because it was in my most anticipated. I was fresh off of like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like I read all of the books in that series. Um, And then I ended up picking this up and I was like, this is the perfect summer book club. Like, Sharifa, let's do it. And you were (laughs) very kind. And you're like, okay. I was excited by how excited you were for this book. I was really excited. Um, And some of the reasons I was excited were because, you know, I 
I have struggled this year with reading mm. and um and it was so like it just really grabbed me right from the jump which has not happened to me a whole lot this year. I mean it has but not a whole lot. And I have read some of White's previous books including from the Salvagers series. So I had like I thought I knew what I was going to get out of this and I was mostly correct um, <laughs> because White does have like a signature style and uh, and I liked that style. So I was like, oh, and and it just felt like a good summer read. Like it's a space opera. It's adventure. It's hijinxy. It's very queer. Like it had all of these things going for it. And I was like, let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that's how we came to like bypass all of the normal ways in which we pick up book club so it's my fault if you didn't like it they're just just putting that out there <laughs> I was delighted I I honestly I I get that it's also been a hard reading year for me as well and it was nice like I was also very ready to have somebody else decide on a mm. book title because I know I would just like I've been falling into the same types of book recently like that's yeah. been my sort of uh, my go-to and I needed to be shaken out of just reading <laughs> the same types of book. Uh, so this was such a nice, refreshing departure from what I've been reading and it was so much fun. I am so glad you chose this title. So Yay! <laughs> I'm glad. So let's do a synopsis of the book. Uh, you, like, Sharifa put together this whole beautiful outline. So we're actually going to be organized in this discussion, <laughs> it's like which has never happened before in the history of us. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood, just in case. Yeah, that's right. So it takes place in this, like, you know, future of our world where it, like, starts on what is expected to be the last night of humanity. Like, mm -hmm. there are these AI mecha giant space robots who have been decimating the human population across the galaxy like lots of planets have already been destroyed like earth is last on the list and everybody's expecting to die like literally expecting to die oh right content warnings uh Ooh, yeah. for suicidal ideation um trauma and uh ptsd uh on the page violence i think that's all of them does that sound right i think that's yeah that sounds about right yeah so, like, on the last night, you know, our main character, August Kitko, who is a jazz musician, jazz pianist, um, who has struggled with depression his whole life, is, like, standing on a balcony thinking about, like, you know, basically whether or not to hasten the dying process. Like, do you wait for the robots or, like, do you take matters into your own hands? Which is a pretty intense start, not going to lie. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> And then, you know, the choice gets, you know, the choice is no longer a choice. Things start to happen. And August gets swept up in this whole giant space adventure situation. Um, he is in a romantic relationship with Ardent Violet, who is like a mega pop superstar, very talented, um, gender fluid character who is just like a force yeah. and the two of them end up getting like in communication with some of the mechas who have decided like actually we're not gonna destroy earth maybe but we don't we it takes the whole book to find out why and yes. what is going on this is the first in a series so it's not like a tidy ending right like no it's very cliffhangery 
And I don't think yeah. I never check anymore if something is part of a series. So I was, right. I did not know it's part. Sorry, of it. and then Sorry. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> it's my own fault. I just never check. But yeah, yeah, definitely a cliffhanger ending where you're like, "But what's going to happen next?" So right, right, yeah. Um, and I listened to the audiobook for this, which I wanted for anybody else who loves an audiobook. I thought it was really great. It's read by Hayden Bishop, who is a non-binary narrator who did a fantastic job and has narrated a bunch of other things. Um, but I really enjoyed listening to the audiobook because there are so many great characters in this yeah. and to have them all sort of like realized by different voices and I I don't know especially with some of the particular characters I was just like this is this is the perfect way to have this experience mm. for me it was very immersive yeah yeah I that's that's great I wish I audioed <laughs> <laughs> I I think this would be an interesting book too because it really is an ensemble cast which I think is one of its strongest points like you're you're only ever in Gus or Arden's POV if I recall correctly yes um but they are very intertwined with a bunch of characters a lot of whom are fellow musicians the music stuff in this book like if there was ever a book begging for a soundtrack like this is it yeah I just we were talking about this I think also in our most anticipated about how it seemed like there were uh, quite a few yes. music related SFF books out recently and I was uh for the audiobook of the Ballad of Perilous Graves uh I mm. they had an original score and I was like I want this one to have an original yes. score too absolutely I think that that would be perfect for this yeah yeah Right, because the actual way that the humans and the mechas end up cooperating to fight involves music, and it's so detailedly described. Um, I like absolutely want to hear that what that sounds because every every single one of these musicians has a different style, right? Like yes. Gus is a jazz pianist who does like experimental jazz, like yeah. not like. Muzak jazz, like highly experimental. And then Ardent is like a pop star. And then we meet Hjalmar, I think is how you say Hjalmar. that, who is like a death death metal, yeah. you know, a drummer. And then Nisha, who is a vocalist of um, Indian heritage and has like, you know, that like kind of music uh, as her background. So they all have to like work together at a certain point and like meld their musical styles and it's a real journey and I was like yeah I want to hear what that sounds like like I'm dying to hear what that sounds like I would love I'm I'm about to get into some spoilery stuff okay so okay. I just wanted to let everybody out there know yeah um but I there was that one scene speaking of the music and like like the key component of the music being integral to making sure the human conduits and the traitor vanguards can work together. And there was that one scene later on in the book where they are literally in the studio trying to yes. learn to work together. And I yeah. distinct, I had a distinct experience of trying to imagine 
Right. What <laughs> this all sounded like together with like the bhangra and the death metal and the yeah. pop and the jazz. And I was like, my brain hurts. Like I, I can't <laughs> fathom what this is like. But I loved that scene because I'm a sucker for like the bands getting together and they're going to yeah. the studio and like – um, the story really leaned into that moment and mm-hmm. it reminded me of some of my favorite scenes from other media all over the place that are just like that. And it just like satisfied that music loving part of me. This has to be a, I feel like every music lover and yes. sci-fi lover out there has to read this book. So yeah, good. it was interesting. I was poking around in reviews for the book and some people were really like, there's a lot of music stuff in here. Like what? not like they like like they were not into it. OK. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I guess if you are like. Not. Uh, I don't I like don't even know how to say it. like I got like I have played a couple different instruments. So like maybe. But that doesn't mean that I know all the terms or the references or, like, I don't know what these chords sound like. Like, they reference all kinds of chords. I don't know what it sounds like, but I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. But I guess if you are a reader who does want to, like, have an anchor point for these kinds of things, it could get frustrating. I get, I'm, i like, trying to see it from that POV. I I was just like, yeah, tell tell me more about, like weird chord progressions <laughs> like I don't care um if I know or don't know what that sounds like I want to know what it sounds like but I don't care if I don't do you know what I mean yeah and I think it's funny like when you mention that I immediately think about you know Gus is almost like in like described in some parts as almost insufferably into like yes. sort of academic music yes. like he's a, a musician's musician I think is how mm-hmm. he's described and but even with that like yeah I didn't have moments where it felt like Gus was really like he didn't go into long soliloquies about music right. and the importance of music and all the different th- like the ways that you know, specifically things um, about the music drive the meccas or the trader vanguards. Mm. Uh, But it is just like, it's just, you know, music. Music is the whole driving force between uh, behind how this sort of AI mecca situation is set up in the story. It's like the whole, it's part of the backbone of the story. Right. I guess if you yeah. don't like music, then you don't want right. to get into it. <laughs> you might want to skip it. Yeah. Um, they, it is. There are so many characters. Uh, and you have some good notes here about. Do you want to talk about our favorite characters? Yeah. Well, I I honestly really I also enjoyed that this was an ensemble and that there were so many characters to love and get to know. But for some reason, the pairing of Yalmar, the death metal drummer, and Nisha, the bhangra singer, was like, they're two very contrasting personalities. Just made Mm. me like laugh and delighted me (laughs) and I think it was especially because when they're introduced it's when the book is starting to get darker like we're learning Mm. about the real 
consequences of being a human conduit and Gus is mm-hmm. like really thinking about the bleak outlook for his long-term future and also for Ardent's long-term future. And so we yeah. have these really, really dark moments where it feels like we're getting to a place where it's just like pure crisis and mm. you don't know who's going to come out victorious. And then you have Yamar and Nisha as sort of like, this comedy duo lightening things up <laughs> here and there. Nisha like telling Yalmar off and yeah. doing doing her own thing and being a super fan over Ardent. Like I yes. I needed that, I think, in those moments because those moments were also necessary, the dark bits, but I needed a little bit of a something to shake me out of the the darkness. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. You're yeah. so right. I I love them too. They are an odd couple pairing that yeah. is just like fantastic. Um, and the way that Nisha is really like not impressed with Gus Crack. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> like okay, like cool that you're here. Like, and it's a little bit jarring for Gus because you know. He's been like, like the military is like in touch with him, and like he feels like he's got the weight of the universe on his shoulders. Yeah, and it's like no, some other people have done the same thing that you're doing, and like, hi, like what's up? Um, <laughs> it's really delightful. I agree. Um, although that being said, Gus really did tug on my heartstrings yeah. in a lot of ways. I was very... Yeah, and Dahlia, who is Arden's manager, I think is really the unsung hero. Yeah! Like, Dahlia's incredible. I loved... All of her screen time, quite frankly, and the way that she is so unafraid to real talk, you know, whether it's Arden or, like, somebody else. But then also, like, yeah, make the things happen at great risk to herself um, when mm-hmm. she understands, like, the reasons. Oh, Dolly is fantastic. She's fantastic. Once you put Dahlia down, I was like, that was a great choice because (laughs) throughout the story, I was like, oh my goodness, I feel for Dahlia. Like, this is such a tough place to be. And like, not only managing a personality like Ardent, but also in this sort of end of the world scenario, being asked to do the most to just like keep her client alive Mm -hmm. and safe and well like the thing I was glad for when we got to that cliffhanger ending was that I was very concerned about what happened to Dahlia and I was like okay maybe it's gonna be explored in the next book it's not just like she was whisked (laughs) off into space and you know we don't know if she's okay or not because she was like an amazing character uh who had to endure a lot Yes, yes, 100%, 100%. So clearly there's a lot of things that we liked about this book. Um, and Trufi, you kind of touched earlier on the balance between the hijinks and like the serious crisis moments. Yeah. And I just, I do feel like we're seeing more of these stories. Like I think um, Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki is another great example of like how you can take trauma and take it seriously but still write a book that is joyful Mm -hmm. and fun and like that's not I don't think that's easy to do and I think that's why it's not that common to see and I really love 
that we're getting more of these stories. I agree. There were some really, like the moments when Gus was in battle. I think the the moment that was like really dark was that that I really hadn't seen realized so clearly like the internal struggle mm-hmm. was when Gus was in you know battling it out um in Grimalkin and was literally getting crushed and yeah. physically just destroyed and you get a sense of like the internal struggle that's happening and like what's going to happen to me and like mm-hmm. wh- how am I going to be after all of this? And I was just like, ugh, it just like gripped my heart and squeezed it. But I'd also had like a lot of, there was a lot of nuance to it. There was a lot of nuance yes. to the way uh, that par- those parts of the stories were approached and explored. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that as well. Um and yeah. I also just appreciated, like I, I this is the I think second Mecca story I have read this year. If I know what year I'm in, yes. Uh, this, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really enjoying the different ways Mecca stories are being told, where it's like you know you have a human conduit or a human pilot of some sort, and you have this behemoth of a thing that is being driven or propelled and I just love the different ways these stories are being told and with this one Mm -hmm. the idea of these mechas being kind of the fallout of human meddling in AI technology and not knowing how to deal with or dealing with poorly uh, AI sentience and mm-hmm. I feel like especially these days I've been seeing a lot of I'm not putting on my tinfoil hat here but I've been <laughs> seeing a lot of like you know headlines about uh, a scientist being like well this this was a sentient AI and and everybody dealt with it wrong and so I'm always curious to see how authors with great imaginations and thoughtful storytelling styles approach this and I thought that this Mm. was one of the better ones I'd read so far yeah Yeah, I'm super curious to see how that theme continues to get explored over the course of the series right because it's not resolved yeah and um it is very I thought that was super interesting um I also thought it was really interesting to see a story about an apocalypse take a character's focus on aesthetics very seriously. Like, I... Like, I feel like in a lot of other stories I've read, someone like Ardent, who is extremely concerned with color, Mm -hmm. with fabric, with texture, with sensory input um, that is around them, like, at any given moment, including moments of crisis, like, if not extremely moments of crisis, the book, I think I think a lot of books would play that as a joke, right? Yeah. Like, would play that as, like, a funny ha-ha, like, look how ridiculous this character is. But, like, this book takes Arden's sensory input needs seriously 
And I was just like, that's, I don't know that I've seen that before. That was really interesting to me. Um, And I think that's just one of the ways that this book, like, make space for representations of different people's approaches to the world and like, you know, (laughs) intense crisis moments um, and doesn't dictate one correct way to respond to them, which I appreciated. That's a really, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that really rings true. I mean, I simply delighted in Ardent's, entire like the aesthetic and the dis the, the really clear and detailed descriptions of the yeah. outfits and the way they like to surround themselves with certain you know atmospheres and yeah i just delight as an extra person i appreciated those moments <laughs> and like wallowed in them a little <laughs> And was like, I love every, I wrote in the notes that I just, I just want all of Ardent's outfits because Mm. they were just like the most. And, (laughs) but I hadn't really thought about it in that way that it wasn't like portrayed in a sort of jokesy light and it, you know, like that sort of sensory approach and, um, way of interacting with the world is really important to a lot of different types of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I'm seeing that in a completely from a completely different perspective. Um but I thought that this was also speaking of ardent, like I I just really love reading non-binary stories by non-binary people in science fiction and in all books really but um seeing that representation here and just reading about ardent as a character who honestly annoyed me a lot at times (laughs) (laughs) but was just like a really you know layered complex nuanced character like I just thought this Mm -hmm. was such a great example of why we need more queer non-binary books written by queer non-binary people like Mm -hmm. I I loved the way Ardent and Gus's relationship unfurled insta-love as it Mm -hmm. may be like (laughs) I love but not insta love that lasts they go through the ringer oh for sure yeah and Gus has so much like uh, he just always seems like he thinks the worst is going to happen to him (laughs) so there are moments where I'm like wait a second are you going to self-sabotage here with this relationship that I am really enjoying but the two of them being so in love and they're you know, romance being told on the page was like, I just, it gave me a lot of good feelings and it tugged at my heartstrings, so. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we loved a lot of things about this book. Yes. Uh, There are some things we didn't love as much, so do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll get my my sort of like complicated one out of the way first. And I want to say like, I loved this book, and for everybody else who loved this book, please take this with all the grains of salt. But for my reading experience, personally, I did have a moment of like, 
some vague bristling um, about Tazi, who's this really powerful um, figure in the military. She is basically the one who is trying to get Gus and Ardent to cooperate uh, with their mm-hmm. work around, you know, basically the end of the world and trying to save humankind. And uh, the friction I felt initially was just because I was worried that um, Tazi being the only black woman character in the story who had any sort of significant role would be like this very severe kind of different kind of angry black woman Mm. like Mm -hmm. because there isn't a lot of space and this is perhaps me expressing that there isn't a lot of space in the world for black women to be anything but this strong like Mm. uh not vulnerable figure and so Mm -hmm. I had moments where I was just like I was waiting for more black characters to come up so that it wouldn't be so much about Tazi and this like very familiar sort of severe strong black woman figure and that didn't happen Mm -hmm. but Tazi's character eventually toward the end you learn about why she is so like uh, unwavering in her resolve to really, like, you know, basically sacrifice whatever so that mm-hmm. humankind as a whole can survive. But up until that moment, I was just, like, a little tense about it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that was just the one part of the reading experience that kind of pulled me out of the story and into my own head in a way I didn't necessarily yeah. enjoy. So that was no, that. I think that's very fair. It's very true. It's one of the hard things is when you don't have a lot of representation of a particular type of character in the genre in general. Yeah. And then that gets replicated in one story. Then that's that's hard. That's yeah. difficult. Yeah. So that was my thing. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I... I mean, I do agree that, like, occasionally, I don't know, actually, sometimes I got more frustrated with Gus than with Arden. I, I really did love Arden. I haven't said, like, specifically I loved Arden <laughs> because you're right. Like, they are the most all the time forever, which is, yes. you know, fan- perfect for the character. Um, But the, their relationship did, I occasionally was like, oh, my gosh, like, just... Gus, get out of your head. Like, get yeah. out of your head. Please get out of your head. Which is relatable, but like also, you know, occasionally you just have to yell at the characters in a book. That's just a thing that happens. Yep. Um, in terms of storytelling, uh, I, you know, obviously, like, I think you're right um, about Tazi's character, uh, you know, riding a little close to this this stereotype. And also the the AI motivations got a little muddy for me. Um like Arden's relationship with the Mecca that she ends up paired with, whose name I cannot remember. Is it Faust I something? I would remember oh, yeah, it being maybe. like Faustian or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a little unclear because like initially that Mecca is like, I don't care about humans. Mm-hmm. Like why would I why would I help? And and it's sort of addressed, but sort of not in it, why it ends up, you know, actually participating in this fight to save humanity. And then when we meet the big bad, 
which is a great reveal. Yeah. But like the way that the end plays out, I was a little bit like, wait, what? Like I was I got a little confused about the motivations involved. So like I I but I think that's just this was a really ambitious plot. <laughs> and I don't think it's like you know, a huge issue. It just and possibly it also sometimes these things are because I read fast. I just like I just plow through books. I don't go slowly. Um, and there's there could have been queuing in there that I missed because I was just tearing through it. So um, this might just be a me problem is, is all I'm saying. But also like it's fine. Like I it, in, in the end, it doesn't really matter um, because I enjoyed it overall so much that like, you know, what specific motivations were, you know, in play for this, you know, van guard versus this other one is like not ultimately that big of a deal <laughs> yeah I, I did I totally know what you mean though because I I also felt like the, it, with uh Ardent's Mecca in particular I wasn't necessarily sure if there was going to be some other development so I don't think that yeah. was just you but I agree like this is a super ambitious story Grimalkin like gets a lot of the sort of responsibility yes. of explaining the you know, why they are helping humans out um and you don't get mm -hmm. that as much with ardent's mecca they kind of come together later in the story so that's tough that's tough to deal with yeah um yeah. and just to speak to my particular annoyance with <laughs> much as i love gus and ardent <laughs> as uh, a romantic couple and I feel for them I feel for them like I do for a bunch of messy 20 somethings like <laughs> I was like oh my goodness and I know I'm being completely uncharitable here and I would be a hot mess <laughs> if this was ever happening to me and I'd be just yes. as bad at it but there were like moments where you know Gus was like you know I'm a musician I, I need to get to my piano and like I'm going to risk right. all to get to my Yes. Like, Gus, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> right. I was like, okay, if this was a real world, you know, people will right. have their things and they need to, you know, get their jollies where they can because all mm. the things are terrible. But I was right. so uncharitable toward <laughs> Gus in that moment. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I love that. Uh, so yeah, on the whole, like a really fun and thought-provoking reading yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. This was like such a fun time. I'm finding that I really love these space opera, especially when music is involved. I'm really, yeah. I just want all the musically inclined science fiction and fantasy it, I didn't realize mm. how many different ways you could take music and yeah. turn it into such a big part of the story but I just loved this book and I can't promise I'm gonna finish the series because I never <laughs> do but <laughs> I'm so glad I read this first book <laughs> Yay! Well, if y'all read along with us, you know where to send your emails. Or if you don't, it's sffia at bookriot.com. Send us your thoughts. We would love to hear them. Um, thanks for reading along with us. If you did, if you didn't, maybe consider it. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and yeah, at some point, we'll do another book club. Who knows yeah. how it will play out? <laughs> Pick a book out of thin air. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We'll see what we do next. 
All right. So SFFYA is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode. If you want more recommendations, you can get those at bookriot.com. You can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Um, again, email us SFFYA at bookriot.com. We always are happy to hear your thoughts about science fiction and fantasy, get your pet pictures, etc., etc. And if you have a moment to review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Podchaser or wherever, um, it helps other folks to find the show. So please do that. And speaking of finding us, Sharifa, where can the people find you? They can find me on Instagram at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And I am sometimes on social media, on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.